Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again here on this hour of The Inner Life, the hour that we dedicate to spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, trying to understand how God might be speaking to us, ways that he might be directing and leading in our lives. And we do that with the help of different priests, different spiritual directors that join us here every day during this hour. And I'm Josh Raymond. And uh, have you ever had to try and teach a young child or maybe a group of young children something completely new to them, something where you knew that the learning, it's going to be gradual and slow. It's going to be a process. It's not going to happen immediately. I taught piano lessons for several years. Mainly, I had children as students. There were a couple of adult uh, students, too, but mostly young people. And when I would teach kids about music, there were certain things, certain approaches that would help them grasp a concept. If something seemed fairly complex on the surface, if we started to break it down into smaller pieces, it was easier for them to understand, to begin making progress in their practice time. And one of the teaching moments that my younger students might have enjoyed perhaps more than anything else was when I would start talking with them and I'd show them this concept of muscle memory. Now, the way I would demonstrate muscle memory, and uh, you know, you can do this yourself <laughs> if you want to. It's a fun little experiment if you've never done it before. But I'd have the student get up from the piano and go stand in a doorway. So you're in a doorway right in the center of the door frame, as if you're going to keep walking through it, but you're just standing there. And then with your arms straight and your elbows locked, you move your arms out from your body you, you, until your hands, the back of each of your hands, they're touching the two sides of the door frame. Kind of like you want to raise your arms straight until they make a cross. Your body's kind of in that form of a cross, but you can't do it because the door frame's there. So now in this position, you start to push your hands, push your arms against the door frame as hard as you can as if you really could break through that door frame and keep raising your arms up perpendicular to your body. And you have to keep on pushing your arms for at least 30 or 40 seconds. It's better if you can go at least a full minute. But then after your arms, they're really starting to fatigue. The muscles, you can feel them start to burn. Then you take one step out of that doorway and you completely relax your arms. And if, you do, if you've done this, you know what I'm talking about. Every one of my young students they would have the same reaction. Their eyes would go wide and then there'd be a smile or a laugh and they'd be kind of in this moment of amazement. Because when you do relax your arms after that constant upward exertion in the doorway, now your muscles, they want to continue doing the same thing. Your arms, as you relax them, they start to lift up almost on their own. It feels like they want to just float away from you. 
Now, why would I want to drive home this lesson about muscle memory for my younger students? It's because when you're learning a song on the piano, almost every piece of music has certain notes or phrases that are going to repeat a number of times in that song. And if you learn those sections by playing them over and over and over, and I really do mean over and over, because even now if I'm working on a tricky part of a song on the piano, if there's a phrase that I can't quite get, I might play it in the course of 10, 20 minutes, 70, 80, maybe even more than 100 times. And I'll just try and get it in my mind, try and get my fingers to where they're so extremely familiar with it, the notes, the precise movements. And so I would explain to my students that when you do this same repeated motion again and again after a while, maybe over the course of a day, a few days, a week, you start to get to a point where you don't have to think. You don't have to have that same mental focus on each and every note. In fact, when the muscles in your fingers and your hands are so used to that motion, you don't even have to think about what notes you're playing any longer. Your, your hands, your fingers, they just kind of take over. They know what they're supposed to do without much of that mental input from you. Then you can really play the song. Instead of just hitting a bunch of notes on a keyboard, now you can breathe life into that music. You can even get lost in the music. It can become this kind of transcendent experience because you're not having to think so hard about the notes. This, of course... This idea can apply to all areas of our lives. The better we know something, the more familiar we are with it, the more we can enjoy the experience, and we probably get far more out of that experience. Well, today on The Inner Life, we want to take this kind of approach to understand the Mass better. If we understand the Mass, the mass if we understand it better, hopefully this is going to allow us to enter into a deeper experience of prayer, and a deeper experience of communion with Christ each and every time we come before him in the Eucharist at Mass. Joining us is our spiritual director today as we talk about the Mass. Father Brian O'Brien is here with us. Uh, this is his first time. I'm very glad to welcome him to the inner life here. Father O'Brien is a priest in the Diocese of Tulsa. Uh, he is the pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and he's the associate director of vocations for the diocese. Father O'Brien, welcome to the inner life. So glad to have you with us today. Josh, great to be with you today. Thanks so much for having me, and hello to everybody listening. Well, in Stillwater, Oklahoma, so that's Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State, right? That's that's what's there. Stillwater is known uh, as America's friendliest college town. Uh, we are the home of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and uh, a very vibrant and growing Catholic community, and. Uh, just a great place to be. Yeah, the other thing, and so I've been in Stillwater just a couple of times, and, you know, it was just an overnight stay, just visiting, um, and this would have been back in the, the mid-90s, but Eskimo Joe's, that was the one place I had everybody tell me, well, if you're going to visit one place, you got to go to Eskimo Joe's while you're there. That is the, the hot spot in town. When when people come to visit, they go to Eskimo Joe's. They're kind of great, great food and a great atmosphere. There's, of course, lots of other cool things to do uh, here in Stillwater, but that's kind of that one spot that everybody has to go to. And for somebody who doesn't know what Eskimo Joe's is, it's basically a burger uh, burger joint with a bar, and I think it's pretty popular with most of the college students there. But uh, are you a native to the area there in uh, Tulsa or Stillwater? Or, uh, how did, since it's your first time, can you tell us a little of your background, Father? 
Sure. Thank you. Um, I So I'm a little bit of a mutt. I, uh, I've actually received all of my sacraments in different dioceses. So I was born in Syracuse, New York. We, My family, uh, my dad was in the oil business. We moved out to Northern California, Diocese of Stockton, which is where I received my first communion. Um, I mostly associate with uh, Houston, Texas. So we moved there when I was in second grade. Um, and so I re- grew up in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, St. Martha's Catholic Church in Kingwood, Texas. Um, graduated from high school there, was confirmed uh, there. And then I left Houston and did my undergraduate uh, work at Boston College. Um, so I have a lot, of, a lot of family connections. My parents are from Boston. So just loved getting up there uh, to the Northeast around my grandparents and can- cousins, aunts and uncles. Um, so did my undergrad at Boston College and then um, joined a teaching program actually through the University of Notre Dame uh, called the Alliance for Catholic Education, the ACE program. ACE uh, sent me, it's kind of a two, it's basically a two-year program where you agree to teach in a Catholic school and then you work on your master's degree over the summer. Well, uh, the ACE program, Notre Dame sent me to the Diocese of Tulsa. I had never been to Oklahoma, had no real desire to come to Oklahoma, um, but was but came here for a, for a two-year commitment. Um, that was in 1998, and I've never left. Um, this this diocese, this 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 state, um, is just a it's a marvelous place to be. The best of people. Um, the Catholic population is actually very small, um, but I but I kind of like that. We're we are a mission diocese, a mission uh, mission territory. So I taught high school for four years. I taught theology and social studies, coached basketball. Then um, kind of my third, fourth year of teaching, really felt a call to the priesthood, um, pursued that, looked at some different religious orders, looked at going maybe going back to Houston, going up to Boston, but ultimately decided I think I'm supposed to be not just a priest, but a priest of the Diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma. So well, I was accepted for the seminary, um, spent a number of years at St. Meinrad Seminary in southern Indiana, uh, studying for the Diocese of Tulsa, and was ordained in 2007. And uh, 15 years a priest, and it just That's keeps great. getting better. Oh, congratulations. Well, if it keeps getting better, what's the, uh, I guess, maybe either your favorite part of being a priest or maybe the most unexpected um, joy that you experienced as being a priest over these last 15 wow, years? Wow, there's just, yeah, there's so much, Josh. It's, um, you know, obviously to, to celebrate Mass every day, um, I think you hear a lot of priests say, you know, really the beauty of hearing confessions, uh, really seeing conversion happen kind of right in front of you or right on the other side of that screen. Um, it's it's really, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. I'm um, kind of surprises, you know, I, I remember I, I was ordained at 30, I was 31 years old, um, and I just remember how quickly even like older people um, just immediately trust you as their spiritual father. Um, you know, people in their 80s and 90s calling me father. You know, I'm, in, I'm this young guy in my 30s. Just, you know, I've hardly been a priest for a few weeks. Uh, and just that, that, that connection that people have with their, with their priests, but with the priesthood, uh, is just is really something very, very special um, that that I, I hope I never take for granted. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing a little about yourself, Father. So today... We want to talk about the Mass. We want to talk about how we can understand it better and how we can enter into the Mass, understanding it as a, an experience of prayer. And to begin our conversation, might be good to talk about, I, I'm a big fan of defining terms and understanding things before we start getting into deeper details. Um, so the Catholic Church looks at Mass, calls it the highest form of prayer that we have as Christians. 
in our American culture, with such a uh, Protestant kind of dominant, um, I, I guess, you know, just handed down from early on those early settlers, the, the first pilgrims, you know, all of, all of that that's kind of our, our heritage here. We see a lot of Protestant and evangelical churches, even those mega churches that we might see on TV. They'll have a worship service where prayer is a part of the service, but they mainly focus on two things. They have worshiping through song, and then usually there's listening to a sermon given by a preacher. So they have this music worship and then a learning teaching time there. Um and it might be easy for us, I think, as Catholics to look at the Mass and think something similar is happening. You know, we hear readings from Scripture, we might sing the Gloria or, you know, in a response to one of the Psalms there early on in the first part, and then there's the homily, there's the preaching. But we might only have this concept of prayer being limited to certain parts of the Mass, you know, where we actually respond to the prayers of the faithful, Lord, hear our prayer, or specifically centered around the Eucharist or when we pray the Our Father, how can we kind of recapture or have a more correct understanding of the entire Mass from beginning to end being a true form of prayer all the way through? Yeah, that's a, it's a great distinction because, yeah, the, the Mass is... Within it, there are there are prayers. So you know the collect is like the op- what often is referred to as the opening prayer. Um, you know the Gloria is a this beautiful song of worship that we that we're singing to God, glory to God in the highest. Um, but then also seeing it kind of overarching that the entire Mass is is is, is a singular prayer. Um, we are uniting ourselves um, to the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. Um, and we do that at every Mass, whether it's, you know, a, kind of a small daily Mass at your local parish, or whether it's, you know, Pope Francis and a, and a million pilgrims at, at World Youth Day. Um, the same thing is happening. It's the people of God coming together uh, in, in prayer, um, the perfect prayer, the, 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 as Jesus commanded us to do when he said, do this in memory of me. Um, so I, I think that's an important way to look at it, the, of the entire Mass as a prayer, and then also kind of uh, made up of different uh, kinds of prayer. You know, we're asking, as you said, Josh, you know, Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. We're petitioning the Lord, but we're also praising the Lord. And we're doing all of that in the context of this one beautiful and perfect prayer that is the Holy Mass. Well, and we do this in other ways, too. You know, as, as you're talking about a prayer that is comprised of other prayers, um, you know, if somebody prays the rosary. That's exactly what they're doing. It's a prayer, but it's comprised of others. If somebody prays the chaplet of divine mercy, you know, some of those other devotions that we have. So it's it's something, if you actually stop and think about a Catholic ethos and how we approach prayer in other ways, it's not all that different. It's just uh, maybe, you know, where we might pray with a small group and there's not the Eucharist that's celebrated necessarily there, you know, the consecration that happens, we still do have those other smaller prayers that make up and comprise a large prayer that we, we can do individually or corporately. And I think in the Mass especially, you know, we are, we are there as individuals. Um, you know, I look out at my people here in Stillwater, and it's, we have people from, you know, 
it, we're, we're a college town, so it's a very inter- actually a very international place. We've got people from, from 30 different countries. Uh, we have mass in English. We have mass in Spanish, um, young and old and all things in between. And so we're, we're individuals. We don't lose our individuality, but we come together as a, as a people to, to enter into the mass. I mean, it's why, you know, we, why COVID, I think, was especially difficult when people were sort of stuck at home. Um, we're not meant to be stuck at home. We're meant to be together, um, that, that the Lord has a relationship um, with, with you and I, Josh, you and I personally, but then with us kind of corporately, with us as a, as a people, as a people of God, a pilgrim people, we're, we're marching, going towards our, our ultimate end, heaven, and we're doing that together. And so it's, it's so important that we not just, it's not just a, I can, I can just stay at home and, and do whatever, or I just like to pray by myself. All of that is fine. Praying by yourself, good thing. But we, we come to the Mass together. We come to the Mass as a people, worshiping the Lord petitioning the Lord, and then allowing the Lord to, to strengthen us with his food. Uh, he wants to feed us with the great gift of the Eucharist. Uh, talking with Father Brian O'Brien here today on The Inner Life and uh, exploring how we can understand the Mass better, how we can enter it into it, understand it as an entire prayer that we are participating in as Catholics. And what has helped you to have that better understanding of the Mass? When did the Mass... When did the Eucharist truly become real for you? More than just uh, maybe some symbol or some idea, some kind of theoretical (laughs) concept, but it truly was experiencing that encounter, that friendship, that relationship with Jesus. Uh, What helps you to make the Mass a prayerful experience every time you go? Or maybe you have a question about the Mass, how to enter into that time of prayer. You're welcome to call in at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149, or you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, going back to what you said, you know, that we're not meant to be alone— I've spoken with many people. I, th- I think there's probably anybody who regularly attends church, and they might invite somebody else. They've probably heard at least one person respond in some manner along the lines of, well, you know, I, I feel like I'm as close to God out in the woods or out in nature as I could be when I go to church as well. And you talk about, you know, there is Jesus, of course, waiting there for us. In the Eucharist, we have that that opportunity. Um, how are there any other things you might say? Ways you might respond to that person who is saying, "I don't, I don't seem to get anything more out of going to church than I do being out taking a hike in the woods and being able to pray that way." You know, I mean, it it sounds primarily like a case of ignorance more than anything. But what? How would you? try and convince them or persuade them, here's what you're really missing. Yeah, I, I would, you know, before, before I was uh, here in, in Stillwater, I, was, I ran a, our diocesan high school uh, for nine years, Bishop Kelly High School, and I tried a lot of interactions, especially with teenagers, and they, you know, they're an inquisitive bunch, they, 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 they're, they're con- constantly searching. So I had this conversation a lot about, what, you know, why do I need to go to church? And I, I really would start by kind of agreeing with that with that person to say yeah can the lord be found in nature the answer is absolutely and people do it all the time some of the great saints um you know have have found the lord in nature but then there's a there's another step to it um you know is the lord only to be found in nature and we would say 
Well, well, heck no. You know, they're, they're, of course, the Lord can be found in, in numerous places. And then to come to what, what is the Lord asking of us? How does God want us to worship him? Um, what did God tell us about how we are to pray and how we are to worship? So, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And he teaches them the Our Father. Um, when Jesus at the Last Supper, um, he says, do this in memory of me. Um, it's not a it's not a suggestion. It's not a guys. If you if you have the time and you could put you know get a few people together, it's a command. And he says, do this in memory of me. And so it's not just you know I would say to to that friend I was talking to, can the Lord be found in nature? Absolutely. But how does how does the Lord command us to to worship? And he's given given us the Holy Mass and said, do, do this in memory of me. And so we do. Um, and and in a in a very particular way, you know, I think so often in this day and age, so many people find the Lord far away or, or distant or, or just non-existent in their own life. And in the mass, I mean, there's, there's for everyone listening, there's not going to be a place where the Lord is, is closer to you than in that moment. Um, he physically comes to us. Um, he, he is present in front of us. And then for those who uh, are old enough and in, in the state of grace to receive, we come forward and we literally take God into our bodies. Um, there's a closeness there that is unmatched and that you're not going to find in a forest or on a mountain. Um, as beautiful as that is and as present as God is, God is most present to us in the Eucharist in the Holy Mass. Mm. Talking with Father Brian O'Brien here today on The Inner Life. He's a priest in the Diocese of Tulsa, Oklahoma, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Talking about the Mass, understanding the Mass better so that we can enter into a deeper experience of prayer every time that we come to church, every time we walk into our parish, and also inviting your phone calls at 888-914-9149. What has helped you have that better understanding of the Mass to have that true encounter with Christ in the Eucharist. And how do you how do you prepare yourself for that each time that you get ready to go to Mass? Are there things that you do? Maybe go through some of the readings or say certain prayers before you go to Mass that help you prepare so you can experience that relationship, that encounter with Christ. Maybe you have a question about the Mass. 888-914-9149 is the phone number for our studio, or you can email us innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined by our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien, a priest in the Diocese of Tulsa, Oklahoma, talking about the Mass today, the highest form of prayer that we have in the Church, in the Catholic Church, and trying to understand even better 
what, uh, how we can enter into that time of prayer, understanding the Mass better so that we can have that better experience. And uh, again, our phone number, 888-914-9149 is the number that you can call and join the studio talk with Father O'Brien, 888-914-9149. And Father, as I've been saying, you know, we want to know more about the Mass. We want to learn about the Mass. We want to understand it so we can have a better experience. I've heard many, many times the response of, well, you know, if somebody says, I'm not getting that much out of the Mass, there's the question that follows, well, what are you putting into the Mass? What are you bringing? Rather than just showing up and expecting everything to be fed to you, there has to be that that um, engagement and that proactive uh, side on our part that if we expect to get something out of it, we have to put something in. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt, Josh. Um, you know, I, I would say to people, um, in what kind of, in what state are you coming to mass? Now, I want to acknowledge, you know, sort of the hardships of life. Um, I think especially sort of families with kids or, you know, somebody who's, you know, maybe going through an illness or, you know, to be able to, there, there's not always sort of the time or energy to, to you know, to, to prepare as we, as we can. But for a lot of people, there is, you know, so I, I would say preparation for, for, especially for Sunday Mass, it starts during the week. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, of just of reading through the readings. Um, they're they're very accessible. They're online on the you know the usccb.org and um, you know I got a subscription to Magnificat. People have you know subscriptions to kind of different different publications. Getting the the, the readings of the mass and reading through them, reading through them even multiple times. Maybe reading through it you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so that when you're hearing those readings on Sunday, you've heard them before. You have some context um, to it. That's one really beautiful way uh, to prepare. Um, the other is, you know, going to the sacrament of confession. Um, I think so many people just sort of come to mass um, without an, an acknowledgement of of their own sinfulness. Um, uh, I love Bishop Bishop Barron always he refers to himself, you know, fellow sinners. Right? We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so, um, taking advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation um, before going to mass. Um, it, it it gets rid of that sin. It kind of cleans us so that we're we're just more disposed um, to receive uh, the beautiful gift of the of the Eucharist, and then come to the Mass with things in mind, um, with 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 what what are you grateful for, um, then and what do you need? Coming to the Mass with those things. Uh, whether it's something you saw on the news or whether it's something you know kind of more personal within your own family or somebody you work with, bringing all of that to the mass j- simply makes them it makes the mass more interesting, more relevant, more and and that's not the goal of the mass. But when people say, "Gosh, mass is boring. I don't get anything out of it," my question back to them, kindly and charitably, is you know what. What do you bring? Um, one of my favorite saints is Jose Maria Escriva, and, and one, of, one of his lines, it's kind of harsh, but it, it kind of hits you between the eyes, and he says, oh, you think the Mass is long? Oh, that's because your love is short. Mm, yeah. And I hear that, and, oh, it's like a dagger to the heart. Like, he just, he just gets right at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as you're talking about that, too, bringing those things, you know, uh, the things that we're grateful for, the needs that we have in our life. Is there a specific way 
that we are supposed to offer an intention. Sometimes we might hear somebody say, oh, I, I went to Mass this morning. I offered my Mass attendance, you know, being there at Mass for specific intention or for this person. Is that, uh, you know, there's always the time during the prayers of the faithful where it's offered usually for our own personal intentions? Is that where we bring that? Or is it something that we just have in our mind? Kind of as we walk in, God, I am asking for this intention as I walk into Mass before we even begin with the, the procession and the sign of the cross? Yeah, I think I think sort of all of that. You know, if you if you're able to get to get to mass a little early, you know, it's so beautiful to see people come in. You know, they just kneel down in the pew and and you know before mass begins, and they just you know thank the Lord for a safe journey, thank the Lord for for the opportunity to be there, and then Lord, here here's here's why I'm here. Here's here's here are the needs of my heart. Um, the other the other really beautiful part, and I think a lot of people kind of miss it, especially at Sunday mass is when, when the gifts are brought up. Um, so normally, you know, I think in most sort of ca- uh, American parishes, uh, you know, the ushers kind of find some family who's sitting towards the back and, and, and they're encouraged, you know, hey, would you bring up the bread and the wine? When that bread and wine comes up, um, that's actually a really significant moment. Um, I had a, a teenager say to me one time, like, so is it is like the priest just like lazy? Like why can't the priest just walk back there and get it himself? And I, it's a great question, but there's a, there's a there's a symbolism there. The gifts of bread and wine are being brought from from the people, kind of through the people, and and given to the priest to then offer the sacrifice at the altar. Um, but I I learned this years ago when those gifts of bread and wine are being brought up, um, it's not just bread and wine that's being brought up. It's it's you and me. Um, our needs, our joys, our sorrows, our lives are being brought uh, up to the altar and then offered to the Father. Yeah. So well, seeing that as a moment of when those gifts are brought up, put yourself on that patent, put yourself in that chalice that are then offered up to Almighty God. Uh, you know, if you pay attention in many parishes, you'll also notice at that same time, whatever the financial contributions during the offering, those will a lot of times be brought up at that same time there too and placed there before the altar. So it's not just what I have that I need, but here's what I can offer to you as well. Um, So there's, it, it truly is offering not just ourselves, but offering everything we can bring there before God. Uh, I, I think that's such a beautiful moment there. Uh, Father, I want to go to the phones here uh, in just a moment, but before we do, we one thing that I'd like to discuss for a, a moment at least is the word liturgy. We talk about the Mass being the sacred liturgy, and we even break it into two different parts, the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. That word that we use, though, what do we mean when we say liturgy? Yeah, so it, it's a it's a it's a word that is used often as like the the the, the work of the the work of the people. Um, a liturgy, uh, you know, we have we have secular liturgies uh, all the time. I live in I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma, home of Oklahoma State football. When you go to an OSU football game, it's kind of a liturgy. Um, there, there's a certain, you know, if the game starts at one o'clock at 1230, the band plays 
at 12:45, you know, the the horse comes running out of the tunnel and waving the OSU flag. There's certain cheers that happen, right? There's this kind of rhythm to it. There's this ritual to it. Um, the mass is, of course, infinitely more important than any OSU football game, as important as it is around here. Um, but the the liturgy is this is this work of the of the of the people of the Lord working through us um, to bring about uh, a certain action to bring about praise and honor to God um, to to allow the Lord to hear our prayers um, and so that word liturgy you know we we use liturgy of the word is like the first half of mass the liturgy of the Eucharist the second half of mass uh, that that work of the people for the glory and honor of God. Talking with Father Brian O'Brien here on The Inner Life today about the Mass, about how we can enter into that relationship with Christ every time we go to Mass, how it can be an experience of prayer, not just prayers within the Mass, but the entire experience of the Mass, a prayer itself. Also inviting you to call in, how have you had that experience? What has helped you to have that better understanding of the Mass to really make the Mass a prayerful experience. Our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about the Mass or a specific part in the Mass, what it means, how to understand it better, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Francis who is calling in from California. Francis, so glad to have you here on The Inner Life today. Hi, I'm a lifetime cradle Catholic, and um, I just love my faith. I just I love going to the mass and and praying and and the, and hearing the scriptures and just um, feeling the reverence of 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 all that contains in the mass, the beauty, and you know God bless our our Protestant brothers and sisters. I don't know how do they do it with their concert like venues. I don't know how they do it. How if you know if there's a death in the family or if you're going through a rough time, how how can you? Uh, weep and 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 grieve in that kind of atmosphere. I get it. I understand that they love the Lord, but with the loud noise and the drums and the guitars, and then you can take a cup of coffee. I'm sure the caffeine, take, you know, kind of gives them a little rush. So I just don't know how they do it, and I pray for them. But I'm just so grateful and thankful for our Catholic faith, our love for our Lord, and I just. I get when I'm at mass I just get this little mystical experience not not a, a type of a you know mountain like experience but it's just a beauty of love and hope in my heart and soul along with the other um people around me and the priests and I'm just I'm just grateful and thankful and thank you father for your priesthood well, thank you, Francis. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the Mass, uh, I think to echo Francis's comment there, um, you know, when we go to Mass, you know, when I look out at my people, I see people from all over the world, I see people of all different ages, but also people at different kind of seasons of life. Um, you know, we have a number of men and women in the parish who have recently lost a loved one. We, you know, we have a beautiful family um, here in the parish that lost uh, lost an infant um, child at 20, 22 weeks in utero. Um, so you look out and you see that family, and there they are. And they might be sitting right next to a family or, you know, a, a young couple who just got married. And and there they are. You know, I hear, I hear people say the Catholic Church, you know, the Catholic means universal. Catholic means here comes everyone. And, and and so we have people in the pews every Sunday 
who might be at the highest moment of their life, people at the lowest, and then most people probably somewhere in between, just trying to kind of work through life and get through the day. And the Mass offers each one of them a space to to really to pray. And it, it might be a prayer of thanksgiving. It might be a prayer of lamentation. It might be asking the Lord for something. But that's the beauty of the Mass and the universality of the Mass. It gives each person, wherever they are in life, uh, the space to, to praise or to petition uh, that I think we don't always see uh, maybe in, in other churches, and I don't have that experience in some of those places, but I know what I know about the Mass, and it gives people that space to, to, to get from it what the Lord wants them to. Francis, thanks so much for the call. And, you know, just kind of along those lines of what she was saying, Father, I actually grew up as a Baptist, and I converted into the Catholic Church. This would have been back in 2004. And the the Baptist church I had gone to, my mom, she still attended it uh, for a number of years. And it had been maybe three, four, five years since I had been back to that church in, in my hometown. And I remember walking in the door after I'd been Catholic, I must have been at least a couple of years. And I walked in the door and I just was struck by, oh, you know, when I came into the Catholic church, do I believe that Jesus is really present there in the Eucharist? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's part of what I'm, I'm believing as I'm coming into the church. But it hadn't struck me quite so strongly until I walked into a church that wasn't Catholic, that didn't have a tabernacle, didn't have the Eucharist reserved. And the emptiness that I felt walking in there was so stark. And I just thought, you know, these are such good people, and I know so many of them, and they love our Lord, but they're missing out on so much. They could have so much more. There's such richness and the absolute ability to be in that relationship, that communion with Christ. So, Francis, I'm right there with you. I don't know how they're able to do it other than they still receive grace from God and they just haven't come to that realization of, you know, they, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they're missing out on. Uh, Father, before we go to a break, let's go to one more phone call. We've got Teresa who's calling in from Port St. Lucie in Florida. Teresa, welcome to The Inner Life. Hey, thank you, and thank you for taking my call. Um, it's great to hear from you, Father. I'm so glad you're on. Thank you for your ministry. Uh, my son actually went to Oklahoma State, go Pokes. Uh, don't forget about the wrestling team. <laughs> but when, uh, with regard to the Mass, when I run into my Christian Protestant brothers and sisters, I try to explain to them, because they complain about repetition, and I say, listen, the entire Mass is the life of Christ, from the glory to God and the highest when he's born. Uh, the readings on the liturgical calendar, which I believe even uh, Ju- Judaism uses a liturgical calendar, and then... You have the Hosanna, which is the um, Palm Sunday, and then you have the sacrifice of the Mass, which is Good Friday, and then in the end you have the Resurrection, where we give thanks and praise to the Lord. So yes, it may seem repetitious, where you have, but the whole thing is like 45 minutes of Bible and 15 minutes of homily, where I find in Protestant worship you have maybe... 15 minutes of a few Bible verses and then 45 minutes of preaching on that. And, it, and I don't understand it. We'll get through the entire Bible in Catholicism, but not in Protestantism. And it seems like they 
avoid John's sixth chapter, or they would be Catholic. So either the Eucharist is absolutely body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, or you have a billion Catholics worldwide who are worshiping of his bread, which is complete insanity. I don't, it doesn't, I don't get it, but that's how I try to help people prepare and understand the highest form of prayer that Jesus left with us, and I'll let you comment on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, great, Teresa. Yeah, we would never forget about OSU wrestling. The, the, the most most of the most of the OSU wrestling coaches actually are parishioners of mine. Coach John Smith, Zach Esposito, great guys, great program. Um, just about about the mass and, and especially about the readings, Teresa, that you mentioned. You know, when you go to when you go to mass, uh, go to any any mass anywhere in the world, you're you're getting a ton of scripture. I mean, a ton of scripture. Um, I love, there's a wonderful book by uh, Dr. Ed Shree um, called A Biblical Walk Through the Mass. Um, I'd recommend it for anybody. Um, give, it, give it away as a gift. It's a short book. And it's just all of the scripture in the Mass. The other beautiful thing about the liturgical cycle, the liturgical year, and the readings that, we, that are chosen um, is it, it includes you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then with a special emphasis on the Gospels, which is the life of, of, of our, the Lord Jesus. And so we're not... We're not really leaving anything out. We're not, you know, I heard somebody said to me one time, you know, I'm more of a New Testament guy. And I, I don't really know what that means. Um, you know, okay, you prefer the New Testament over the Old Testament. But as Catholics, there is a definitive link between the two. Um, Christ is the fulfillment of all of the beautiful prophecies of the Old Testament. And, and we put that right into the Mass. And so when you come to Mass, you're getting, you're getting, Judaism, you're getting kind of the Jewish teachings when we, whenever we read from the Old Testament, and then you're also getting how those teachings are fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ and of his church. So that, that beautiful connection, Teresa, that you mentioned, um, it, it's right there for, for anyone who wants to see it. So again, that, that wonderful book, Ed Shree, uh, S-R-I is his last name, A Biblical Walk Through the Mass, gorgeous, beautiful book that I recommend to anybody. Talking with Father Brian O'Brien here on The Inner Life today and also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, talking about the Mass, how we can enter into a better, a deeper experience when we attend Mass, how we can make that a time of prayer. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And we'll be right back with more of your phone calls and more with Father O'Brien in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined by Father Brian O'Brien, a priest in the Diocese of Tulsa, Oklahoma, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma, talking about the Mass today and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And Father, I want to get back to phones, but maybe uh, before we go back to phone calls here, you gave some basics on what we can do to prepare ahead of going into Mass, you know, being able to go through the readings, uh, having specific intentions that we bring, some of those different things. Let's say that I am already doing this. I have uh, an okay understanding of the Mass. You know, I don't have my doctorate in in uh, theology, but I have a pretty solid understanding of what's happening. I understand some of those, those basics. I 
do those in practice. What else might help me to enter even deeper into praying through the Mass and encountering Jesus in the Divine Liturgy? I would say two two things. One is, um, if if you can, if it's if it is at all possible, arrive earlier. Um, that that preparation, the readings, um, knowing about the Mass, reading about the Mass, all of that is 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 wonderful. Um, arriving early. Um, I find, I mean, as a, as a priest, you know, going in and celebrating Mass, I, I like to have, it's important for me to have some time before the Mass begins to kind of quiet my soul, allow the Lord to kind of, okay, O'Brien, just, you know, calm down here and let's really enter in. That is so important. Um, the other thing I would say um, is is notice where you sit. Um, you know, every church is a little different kind of architecturally. Um but if you're kind of a back row person, now some people are back row people because they got to get up and go to the bathroom. They sit in the back row because they got babies. There's all kinds of there's all kinds of reasons. But I, I would say um, try to get closer to the altar. Um, it, it's a it's just a beautiful way to grow in devotion. When you come to adoration, maybe at your parish, sit in the front row, get close, physically close to the Lord. Um, I think is a way that that some people have found that their that their reverence for the Eucharist, that their devotion to the Eucharist, um, increases. Arriving early and getting as close to the front as you can. Yeah, the further up front you sit, too, the less you have people between you and the altar, so it cuts down on possible distractions. Just that's uh, another kind of practical aspect of that. Uh, also wanted to mention, too, uh, you had a couple of people curious about the title of the book that you mentioned. Again, it's A Biblical Walk Through the Mass. That's by Dr. Edward Suri. Another thing that I might recommend, too, very easy resource if you have the Catechism of the Catholic Church on a shelf in your home. Pull it out, the portion dealing with the sacrament of the Eucharist. It starts with paragraph 1322 in the Catechism. Again, that's paragraph 1322. And it has, I don't know, probably 15, 20 pages that talk about the Mass, talk about the Eucharist. Um, it's a beautiful section there in the Catechism and uh, absolutely perfect for diving more into you know things that we are not able to cover here inside of just a single hour. Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Heidi calling in from San Francisco. Heidi, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to make mention of how I have gotten involved uh, at the lowest points of my life. And instead of just, you know, uh, fighting with God, if you will, for thinking of all the things that have gone wrong, I sat at church one day and I just thought, you know, how can I grow in my faith and learn more about all the questions I had with regards to math or just our um, religion as a whole, and um, I felt like I, I heard a calling from God. I got involved as a, as a Eucharistic minister, liturgical minister, and also a little church director in my parish, and that has just been such a blessing for me, because I feel like when you become a teacher, you're also becoming a student, and the questions that the kids have brought up at little church and middle church have been so instrumental for me to say, hey, I don't know the answer to this, but I'll get back to you next Sunday. And it's been such a teaching experience for me. Um, so I recommend for those that, you know, um, have a lot of questions to maybe, like you mentioned, come early or stay late and ask the priest 
um, questions about, you know, the mass itself, but also get involved. It's been such a joy for me and instrumental for me, even for having my kids watch me. And now they're, um, you know, um, getting involved in ways that they can at their uh, school parishes as well. So it's been great. So I thank God for those opportunities for sure. Yeah, Heidi, that's that's awesome. Um, you know, it's not it's not for everybody. Not everybody is kind of feel, you know feels kind of equipped to get up in front. But but we do need you know we need we need lectors um, it, within the mass. Um, you know, I think especially for for ch- for children, um, teenagers, young adults, um, serving serving the mass and doing so um, reverently. Um, ushers and greeters and kind of those those sort of duties within the mass. Um, can add a, just a beautiful devotion and reverence. Um, think about when when a, when the readings are you know really beautifully proclaimed, versus when you know somebody gets up there and is kind of you know you can tell they're not prepared and they haven't read it before. They mumble or there's a difference. And so if you for anyone listening, if you have those kind of certain gifts, that's a beautiful way to offer that particular gift, that talent to the Lord by participating within the mass in a in a special way as as Heidi is doing out in San Francisco. Yeah. And also, you know, as she was saying too, Father, when you kind of become a teacher, if even if you're not in a teaching mode, just having a conversation with somebody else and wanting to explain to them, it forces you to have to figure out how to articulate things. And if you can articulate, it means you understand it better than you did before. So even that, just having a conversation about the Mass, if you're not comfortable getting up in front of people and helping in some form at Mass, just maybe finding that small group at your parish might be a great way to figure out how can I articulate some of these things so I do understand it better. Yeah, no doubt. Um, to, to enter into conversation, Pope Francis would say, you know, to accompany somebody. Um, maybe it's maybe it's your own child. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe you know, we all know people who have fallen away from the church. Um, to invite them back in a joyful way, um, you know, hey, would you like to come to mass with me? I know you haven't been in a while. Would you like to come with me? Um, and then maybe we could go out for coffee after, and we could just talk about it. And, and chances are that person. Um, is going to have some questions about why we did this or this is something that's changed since the last time I've been to Mass. Or, and you just walk with somebody answering those questions. And if, and if you don't know the answer, as Heidi just said, you know, if you don't know the answer, there's tons of resources out there right. for you to be able to say to that person, yeah, let me, let me find out exactly what that question's about and, and I'll get back to you. Father Brian O'Brien, our spiritual director, and uh, the hour is completely over. Uh, apologies to those of you on the phones we couldn't get to, but Father, it's been a great conversation. Uh, thank you for being here for the hour. Before we conclude, we've got about 30 seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners? I would love to, Josh. Thanks for having me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord our God, we come to you and we thank you for all that you have given us. We ask that you bless all those listening to this show today, all those within earshot of this show. Lord, guide us. Give us your strength. Help us enter more deeply into the beauty of the Mass. Help us to know that you are our Lord, that you are our Savior. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Father O'Brien, for being with us here today. And of course, coming up right after this show, the Mass is coming up. So you can take what you just heard here, and you can apply it there. Hope to see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. Have a blessed afternoon.